Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 49 called The Second Servant Song. The Messiah, Yeshua, who, who is here as the servant pictured, is the fulfillment of what Israel should have been. Israel, as a nation, was called to be a light to the Gentiles, and Messiah comes forth from Israel, from the God of Abraham, from the God of Isaac, from the God of Jacob. He comes from the tribe of Judah. He is the embodiment of what Israel should have been, but more than that, he is everything that I am not. His only failure is my failure. His only shame is my shame. He never sinned, but when he went to the cross, he was treated as though he had committed my sins. And any successes that I have or any righteous standing I have before the Lord is totally dependent upon his righteousness. Amen? So he is the perfect Israel, if you will. And he has come, look at Isaiah 49, verse 3. He has come as a servant. He did not come to be served, but to serve. And that's a lesson for all of us, that we are servants. And in him, God says, I will show my glory. I want you to turn to the Gospel of John with me for a second. Jesus showed the glory of God. I mentioned John 1.14, and we... Uh, He came and tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. As John goes on in his gospel, he records the first miracle of Jesus at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And notice what it says. This is John 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Look at verse 11 with me. After Jesus turns the water into wine, and remember he took the water that was in the um, jars that they would use for ceremonial cleansing. And I've talked to you about that picture of how I think that represents how the the blood of the new covenant cleanses us. It says in John 2.11, this uh, beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and what? Manifested his glory. And right there at that wedding, his disciples believed in him. If you go on in the Gospel of John and you look at John 11, verse 40, Jesus has approached the tomb of Lazarus and he's going to do that radical miracle of raising him from the dead after four days. John 11, verse 40. And he says in that that section, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see what? You would see the glory of God. And of course she did and Jesus raised Lazarus. And then look at John 12, verse 27 with me. John 12, 27. Jesus says these words about the cross. Now, John 12, 27, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. And then look at Jesus' words. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. There's the voice of God. And others said, an angel has spoken to him. 
Jesus' life, if you were to summarize it in one word or one phrase, go back to Isaiah, it was about the glory of God. He always did those things that pleased his father. And though Israel failed, Jesus, uh, Messiah, stepped in where Israel failed and did what they couldn't do. And Jesus stepped into my bankruptcy, my falling short of the glory of God, and he fulfilled the law perfectly. He lived the perfect life that I could never live. He died on the cross, though he was innocent. He rose to defeat what I could not defeat, which is death. And he ever lives to, what? Intercede for me. What a glorious Savior that we have. And this is the purpose of God in sending the servant. But the servant had emotions because you remember that Jesus was not only 100% God, he was 100% man. And the servant says in a striking verse, Isaiah 49, verse 4, but I said, I have toiled in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Right here in the shadowy prophecy of the Messiah, The Messiah gives you an insight into his humanity. And he says, look at the verse. I've toiled in vain. Have you ever felt this way? I've spent my strength for nothing. It's vain. And the word vain is empty. It's accomplished nothing. Have you ever been in a pity party like that? Have you ever gone into the corner and done some stinking thinking? Excuse me for a while, I'll be in the corner. To start doing this. Nothing's working. It's all in vain. Nobody understands. You've been there, right? And right here, this is amazing. In Isaiah 49, verse 4, the Lord, Messiah Jesus, apparently had moments in his earthly ministry where he felt as though his work, all that he had done was for nothing. And we say, well, can we back that up in the New Testament? Well, in Luke 9.41, Jesus answered and said, oh, unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? At the Last Supper, when Judas is possessed by Satan, The disciples at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry are arguing at the table about who would be the greatest. And these are the 11, because he knows Judas is going out to do something dastardly, who are going to take this gospel. I don't know if he spoke the words he did here prophetically. I don't know if he thought the thoughts, but he was human. And he had moments, which gives me hope, where he said, my strength. <laughs> and I think, you know, understanding this coming from his humanity, now he felt this way. I've toiled in vain. But then there's a word of hope, and it's the word yet in the New American Standard. Middle of verse 4, it says, yet, you could translate it, but indeed, surely, he says, the justice due to me is with the Lord, and my reward with my God. Everything kind of turns, and, and though he's feeling these feelings, It turns and he says, you know what? I know that the Father, God, is going to work this out and any justice due to me is with the Lord 
and any reward due to me is with my God. And I'm praying that I can come to a point in my life where I can say that kind of thing. Where I can say, despite how I've been treated in this context, despite how someone made me out to look or misrepresented who I am, the Lord, my my justice is with the Lord. Vengeance is his, not mine, right? And my reward will come from my God. There are two verses I want you to contrast with one another. Just write them down, but I think this will give a lot of us hope. John 2.24 says, Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them for he knew all men. He did not entrust himself to men. John 2.24. And then contrast that with 1 Peter 2.23 where it says, while being reviled, Jesus did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him, God, who judges righteously. If you put all your eggs in the basket of mankind, you're going to find that your eggs are broken. Mankind will let you down. People will disappoint you. You will find that even professed Christians can disappoint you. But the Messiah is assured in the next verse that his mission will be successful because verse 5 says, Now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring... Now this is why we make a distinction and it's clear that this is Messiah because he will bring Jacob back to God in order that Israel might be gathered to him. Israel's not going to bring Israel back. Jesus is. For I am honored, this is in parentheses, but it's important. I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. And some of you just need to really highlight that tonight. My God is my strength. Jeremiah got a call from the womb. Go to the next book to your right, Jeremiah chapter 1. He got a call at a young age. It was before God had formed him in the womb, God said that he knew him. This is Jeremiah 1, look at verse 5. Next book to your right, chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, notice this, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations, Now, Jeremiah's response is, then said I, ah, Lord God, verse six, behold, have you ever been here? I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, don't say I am a youth. For you shall go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Verse nine, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So here's this call. Uh, It comes to the Messiah, and you might say, Well, that's the Messiah. But it also comes to individuals, and individuals that don't think they have the goods. And that may be you tonight. Um, That's me. Uh, I have told you publicly I stayed home on oral report day. I, all I had to do was 
get my head a little hot, my mother would allow me to stay home because she was an overprotective mother. I don't feel good. Okay, stay home. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly, that lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Uh, regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes, and, and so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They, they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe they have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. I have told you publicly, I stayed home on oral report day. I, all I had to do was get my head a little hot. My mother would allow me to stay home because she was an overprotective mother. I don't feel good. Okay, stay home. That's all it took. Put the blankie on your head for a little bit. Mommy, right? Because I did not want to speak publicly. I didn't like it. I didn't like everybody looking at me when I spoke, Right? I don't care what all those clever techniques they tell you. I still didn't like it, right? And he says, this is Isaiah 49, verse 6. It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. This is what he will do. And to restore the preserved ones, probably the remnant there of Israel. I will also make you Jesus, Messiah, a light of the nations, and we, by extension, are the light of God, a city set upon a hill, so that my salvation, why did God send Jesus? So that my salvation may reach where? To the end of the earth. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not remain in darkness. He will have what? The light of life. And so he came. The great commission of the Old Testament, the servant fulfills the call of Abraham. He fulfills the call of Israel. Thus says the Lord, verse 7, the Redeemer of Israel and its Holy One. Now still referring to the servant, to the despised one, to the one abhorred by the nation, I think Israel here, when the Redeemer would come, when the Holy One would show up, 
What kind of greeting party did he receive? Well, we know the wise men came and we know the shepherds came. But when he came to his own, what what did his own do? He came to his own and his own would not receive him. In Isaiah 53, a section that we'll look at, one of the most uh, incredible prophecies in the book of Isaiah about Messiah, it says that he was despised and rejected of man, of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was despised. See, it's amazing to think that God became a man and he was despised. He was abhorred, verse 7, by the nation. To the servant of rulers, he came as a servant, but here's how it's going to turn around. He took on the form of a bondservant. He came in the likeness of men, Philippians chapter 2. He uh, suffered the death of of the cross, but therefore, it goes on to say, God highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, whether in heaven, earth, under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so he came in humiliation at the first coming, but there's a day coming when kings and princes will say of him, he is the Lord, where they will bow themselves at his feet, where every knee will bow. Thus says the Lord, verse 8, Isaiah 49. In a favorable time, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people. This is the work of the servant, to restore the land, to make them here Israel inherit the desolate heritages. I wonder how many people, because of family heritage, feel like it's been desolated. How many fatherless children that we have today? If you are a person who maybe is the first Christian in your family, then count yourself as a trendsetter for generations to come. Say, right now, plant your flag and say, as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. My children will know the Lord. They will have a godly legacy despite that uh, desolated heritage. And that's what Jesus does. He restores desolated heritages. He's a father of the fatherless. That was me. Three different dads growing up wondering if there was any reliable men in the world. And my father came in and became the father in the fatherless times. And Paul quotes this verse, Isaiah 49, verse 8, in 2 Corinthians 6, and here's what it says. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, take a look at uh, 2 Corinthians 6 with me. This is cool. I never thought of it this way. But Paul is quoting from Isaiah, and the speaker there is... The servant. Second Corinthians six, look at verse two. For he says, who says? Well, look at what Paul quotes. At the acceptable time I listened to you, on the day of salvation I helped you. If you look in your margin, you'll see that it'll be a quote from Isaiah forty nine, verse eight. Behold, what's the Bible say? 
now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Who's saying that? Jesus is. Jesus is saying to any group that hears the gospel, now is the time. The devil says, wait. Jesus says, now. Receive me now. Because the Holy Spirit's come to convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment and to lead them to the Messiah. And Paul says, Christ is given. Go back to Isaiah 49. He's given uh, for salvation. He's given to help us. He's given as a covenant to the people. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, he gave himself for me. This is the message of salvation. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah 49, and Jesus is the covenant. The new covenant is in his blood, 1 Corinthians 11.25. He says to those now exiles who are in Babylon, we're going to see some near-far fulfillments here in God's word. Isaiah 49 verse 9 says, saying to those who are bound, go forth. Now this immediate context is to the Babylonian captives and God says to them uh, through the servant, to those of you who are bound, 49.9, go forth. Be free. If you are bound tonight by something, The call from God to you is go forth, be free, get out of there and stay out of there. But do you know of the captives of Babylon, do you know there was only a small percentage of those Jewish people who returned to their homeland? Most of the people had become comfortable in Babylon. been listening to the second servant song part two on walk in truth that was pastor michael's teaching in isaiah 49 hey if you missed any part of today's program you can listen to walk in truth on our free living truth app or wherever you get your podcasts you can also listen to our new mini-sodes called a step closer hey just so you know we have free apologetic events from time to time they're called 633 and that's based on matthew 633 Pastor Michael invites special guests, professionals in their fields, to talk about hard topics that affect the culture. In the past, we've had guest speakers that have talked about the issue of racism, the COVID-19 pandemic, suicide, and how we as Christians can talk about those issues. You can watch those talks and many others on our free Living Truth app and on our website, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael before we go. Well, we hear things like go forth and be free. And then some, uh, a verse like Jesus said, you know, the sun will make you free and maybe you don't feel free. And maybe you'd say, I- I've got a besetting sin and I'm entangled in, in it. And you know, the writer of Hebrews says the sin that so easily entangles us. How can I be free if I feel like I'm entangled? How can I be free if I feel like fear is still dominating my life, but I'm a Christian? Well, you know, um, when we were teaching through the book of Exodus, and we still are on Wednesday nights here at Living Truth in Corona, God said something to the children of Israel that's really important to our sanctification. He said, I'm going to deliver you. Uh, I'm going to deliver the promised land to you. 
little by little. And the, the exact address doesn't come directly to my mind. It's, it's in Exodus 23. But the little by little is a word of encouragement because this is how sanctification works for most of us. It's little by little. Put it another way with what we just mentioned. We become more and more free. The more baggage that gets out of our life, the more free we become. I heard an analogy that's really great years ago. It was of a hot air balloon with bags of sand weighing it down. Every time you throw out a bag of sand, the balloon climbs higher. That's a good analogy for your walk. You're going to become more and more free the more you yield to the Lord, the more you allow him to scrape away the dross in your life. Uh, you'll become more and more free. So don't lose heart. And remember, if you'd like to reach out to a pastor, uh, we would love to talk to you. 844-48-TRUTH. We have pastors here, 9 to 4 Pacific time, to pray with you, to encourage you. 844 844- 48 truth. So call today and hopefully we can be an encouragement to you. And Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow for more on the servant song of Isaiah 49. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station. How long have you been listening? Could you help us pay for the airtime on this station? You can help us continue in this ministry. A monthly partnership of at least $5 a month is all we ask. If you're blessed by this ministry and believe others can be too, please visit walkintruth.com now to donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 49 called The Second Servant Song. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.